Your company's future success demands agile and flexible and resilient operations. I'm your host, Daphne Luchtenberg, and you're listening to McKinsey Talks Operations, a podcast where the world's C-suite leaders and McKinsey experts cut through the noise and uncover how to create a new operational reality. Positive customer experiences are driven by high-quality, personalized interactions. And with the rise in bots and all things digital, it could be a fair assumption that businesses would be looking to slim down their call center operations, moving away from human voice interactions. Yet this has not happened, as many organizations are now taking a new look at the value that their personal interface can bring, less as a cost driver and more as an opportunity to provide strategic, experience-oriented customer insight. Thanks to advances in technology, we're now seeing a core analytics use case emerging for voice data analytics. But many businesses still struggle to capture and process the voice conversations they have with their customers in any real way that drives measurable bottom line impact. This is such a broad topic that we're going to cover it over two episodes. The first episode will explore the wider trends related to voice interactions and customer care and the technologies that are available. And the second episode will explore use cases and best practices for implementing the new analytics tools. I'll be joined in both by Paul Humphrey, CEO and founder of Call Journey, a global thought leader in conversation intelligence and speech analytics, and Eric Biesing, a partner in McKinsey & Company and a leader in our customer care service line. Eric and Paul, great to have you here. I'd like to open up our conversation today by exploring why, despite the growth of digital, voice remains a dominant channel. I think definitely, honestly, what's happening is that people are looking for more of that personal touch, that they want to talk with real people and they want to communicate and converse with people who feel and hear and empathise. Post-COVID, we're looking for more of an emotional connection. In fact, I remember a... 2021 Harvard study, and the study found that, if I think if I remember correctly, 36% of all Americans, including around 60% of young adults and about 50% of mothers with young children, felt serious loneliness. So that's an interesting one from an engagement perspective. And in fact, Brand Keys, which is a New York-based brand loyalty and engagement research consultancy, they do annual behaviour assessments and emotional engagement metrics, specifically around customer loyalties, et cetera, and they deliver an index to identify the um, trends. And there's an index in a study that found in terms of customer foundations for brand engagement, product and service purchase and brand loyalty that will almost entirely be emotionally based now, right? So, The index goes on to show cross-category decision-making ratios of about 80% emotional, 20% rational for 2022. And that that rational aspect for categories and sectors will get filled by customers under what they call primacy of product and service. But brands will need to know the emotional-rational ratio for values that drive consumer behaviour in those categories. So, Whilst digital interactions and that utilisation clearly drives better bottom line for company performance, particularly in, let's say, cost to serve, but if you do look deeper at customer journeys, overall engagement, sentiment, emotional engagement with organisation and brands, the smarter organisations that we see and will know how to engage, who to engage, 
where and how they engage those people um, with ongoing customer interaction intelligence driving that evolution. But that's all about, again, emotional connection, which is what is, is lacking in the digital world and why we're seeing that growth. So emotional connection is the new age CX key. That's a nice way of putting it. And Eric, just from your perspective, are you kind of seeing that evenly distributed across all industries or are there some industries that are leading the way? I think it probably does vary by industry. I think there was a perception five or 10 years ago that the traditional call center was becoming extinct. And actually, I think to your point, a lot of industries, organizations actually underestimated how the growth of digital would impact voice and or, or maybe how quickly you know, volumes might be replaced. I think instead, you know, the importance of speaking with an informed representative of the organization, you know, as Paul mentioned, that, that need for human and emotional connection in when what we call moments that really matter to the customer has actually increased. So yes, you know, the, the share of digital will probably grow as a percent of total interactions, but total volumes, as you mentioned, are going to continue to rise and the complexity of those interactions is also increasing, which impacts handle times. The question of you know what's contributing to this trend, I, I think there there might be a couple. It could be structural. Um, you know, for example, a poor digital interaction is always going to result in a call. Just think about the last time you tried to do something you know online and you got frustrated. The first thing you want to do is pick up the phone and potentially tell somebody off, right? So bad digital experiences drive live interactions. That's the first. But I think the other thing to recognize is that more people are just transacting digitally altogether and attempting to do more complex things. And so if there's more people doing complex things, then that requires, you know, potentially a partial live interaction along with it. Paul, um, anything to add there? No, I was going to mirror what Eric was saying. We, we see, in fact, there's um, a couple of re- really good examples of financial services organisations that we've been working with that are reporting exactly what Eric was mentioning. So if the ratio is staying fairly similar in terms of offline and online interactions, then as Eric is saying, the more digital, the more growth, the more exposure, the more things that people are exposed to, the more volume they're just going to continue get are getting by just having that natural growth of interactions. And as Eric was saying, it's hard to digitise everything. It's hard to make um, that easy interaction for customers via digital as simple as possible. Yeah. You know, and that completely changes the purpose and the function of the contact centre, right? From delivering a basic service initially, which is what they were intended to do now, to a much more strategic uh, generator of value and potentially also powerful differentiator, I assume. And Eric, what have you seen organisations doing well? You know, what are some of the steps to becoming a leader in this space? Organisations that aspire... Uh, for their servicing function of their contact center to to really provide an exceptional experience. And by that, I mean, you know, they invest in ways to delight customers and really build loyalty versus organizations that view the channel as last resort, a pure cost center. I think that's a differentiating factor. And even to push on that, organizations that recognize that actually the data and intelligence coming out of the contact center is incredibly valuable in other parts of the organization, I'd also characterize that as truly differentiating. So for example, in financial services, we're seeing organizations put real investment and capacity in rethinking the strategic value of what a contact center is. They're rethinking their talent, 
potentially hiring differently. Um, they're introducing new knowledge systems and technology, all with the aim of increasing the capabilities and the productivity of, of employees. In travel, I don't know the, the last time you, you hopped on an airline, seems like that's you know dwindling uh, a bit, but airlines are, are really linking customer data from contact centers and live interactions together to create a much more precise and, and even predictive view on, on the customer experience. In other words, they don't need to wait for an NPS survey to come back to know when you know a passenger's had a really bad day. They know their flight was delayed and they missed a connection that they called and waited for 45 minutes and then their luggage got lost. That connection caused them to miss a meeting. Right? They, they can actually verify that through data. And if you can find that out earlier, it can be much more personalized in how, or in even faster in how you respond. I love that. And, and actually, that all comes back to um, listening, right? And the listening skills around what are your customers saying, but also how are they saying it? And I know that a lot of us have been advanced around the thinking around human speech um, and developments in neural network language models, um, just being one example. Um, we've talked about it, how it's possible to overcome some of the legacy problems that were related to difficulties in extracting and, and, and using call center data. Paul, I wonder, can you talk a little bit about, you know, what's the latest and greatest now in terms of natural language processing technology? I think probably, Daphne, it's best to first define NLP. Some people think it's it's not natural language processing, but the you know, the version of NLP, right? Neurolinguistic programming, etc. But natural language processing, um, and if, if I give it a basic definition for context, I, I see NLP at least by a high-level uh, definition, that is the art of utilising computer science and AI to understand and analyse interactions involving computers and humans or human language, right? So NLP in our world is utilised to process and analyse huge amounts of conversation or conversation transcripts. So NLP in and of itself looks to understand context, to understand contextual nuances within the language and interactions, which then form actual conversations, right? So NLP is getting towards what our data science folks might call the term computationally efficient in that historically um, delivering NLP solutions has meant a ton of CPU and compute to make it work. Um, now, that's super expensive and very rigid in, in what it can do. Now, the new kid on the block arrives, and that new kid is NLU, which is Natural Language Understanding. So whereas NLP uses algorithms which tries to understand language and conversation, NLU looks to understand context so with that smarter technology and compute that we're talking about now, a combination of NLP and NLU is much quicker um, and has better utilisation of the good old term fuzzy logic, right? So we've gone from NLP, which is kind of uh, look for these three, three phases, see if I get a hit, to now skipping words that don't, don't make sense. There's inferences, context and you get a holistic view of the nuances of a conversation, not just a couple of people talking at each other, 
but a couple of people actually conversing with each other. So, for example, if we look at how NLP and NLU is being used at the moment in contact centres, which is, you know, a key topic of the discussion, there's a big demand for NLP and NLU for call summarisation. There's a huge need for that in the world of contact centres. In fact, we did some work recently for a quite a large bank who found amongst many of the insights that we were able to deliver that 63% of their disposition codes were incorrect. And a disposition code is where an agent summarises what the call was actually about and when they're wrapping up the call, if you like, right? So meaning that they got the reason for the caller, why they rang or why they contacted the bank, they got it wrong and they got it wrong 63% of the time. Now, huge amount of call reasons data being fed into the marketing folks of the bank, which was wildly inaccurate. And you can imagine the costs of that incorrect data insights to a big bank. You know, that, that's, that is massive, a huge impact. So this lines up, I guess, with best practice for organisations to use effective NLP and NLU tools and combine them with machine learning, which is the contact centre. And that's the best place to utilise that type of technology. So, and it's not just making the contact centre more efficient, in the contact centre, there's massive amounts of rich, rich conversations and interactions that happen with customers every day. In fact, if we look across the US, Australia and the UK, it's about 16 billion minutes of contact centre conversations and conversations with people, which we touched on earlier. That still happens every month across the US, the UK and Australia. So there's Huge opportunities are being missed if you're not tapping into that properly. And the other point I think you were talking about earlier, Daphne, which was the difference between good and great systems about when you're talking about the NLP, NLU, is the utilisation and mix of NLP and NLU and combining that with machine learning, right? So now I would caution, though, that, the view is not just a silo view of having those combination of tools because you could have great tools, but if you engage a bad carpenter, then the house you want to build won't be what it should be, right? So best of breed technology and best of breed implementation. For example, in our world, 67% of speech analytics solutions fail. Now, some of that's because of technology capability, and some of that's because of delivery capability, organisational capacity and expertise. So you really do sort of need to mix all of those but have the right expertise and thought leadership wrapped around what you're doing in that world of NLP, NLU and machine learning. Wow. Thanks, Paul. Um, so basically, we need to think about NLP, we need to think about NLU, and then there's the whole element of machine learning that kind of brings this together in a framework that answers the right questions, I imagine, and uh, that has um, the folks in the team who know exactly how to analyze and then apply some of the insights that come from that. And Eric, as we, um, as we move forward, you know, you talk to clients every day. Where have you seen clients kind of adopt um, and embrace this new way of working to enhance what they're doing? 
I think we're seeing new opportunities for impact being dreamed up and unveiled at our clients constantly. I think the challenge and the problem that they're solving is the same, and that's that the amount of data that's available or becoming available is actually unwieldy and overwhelming. Um, And organizations need tools like Paul mentioned, NLP, which has been around for a while, and NLU, which is really the understanding, to help navigate that, not to replace the decision, but actually to make a better human decision. So where are we seeing it? I mean, it can be some even foundational basics done well. So sharpening visibility into, you know, classic contact center operations like average handle time. Why, you know, what's actually happening when agents are speaking? If they're putting customers on hold, what's happening during that time? What triggered that? If I was actually able to resolve the issue in that interaction, which sometimes is referred to as first contact resolution, why did that happen? Not just the number of FCR, but the actual understanding of what led to resolving the issue the first time. And I think, as Paul mentioned, root cause analysis has been this idea that every organization has been trying to understand for a while. But one of the challenges is customers don't always call in for one reason. I mean, you know, Daphne, you, you might call in because you're checking your, your balance, but by the way, there's three other things that you wanted to do while you were, you know, you had that person on the phone because good luck trying to get them on the phone again, right? So, you know, oftentimes there's multiple things. We call that multiple intent. And NLU can also really uncover pairings. Well, when customers call about one topic, they're very likely to want to ask about another, which allows, again, kind of a more personalized or predictive interaction in the future. That's kind of the basics. But I, I think there are other interesting things, you know, that NLU is unlocking on the agent side and in other queues. So, for example, you know, some organizations might ask themselves, like, what are my best people saying? How do they navigate difficult interactions? How do they delight and surprise customers? And how is that different from, say, an average performer? Can I really get insight into that so that I can train better, adjust how I upskill or how I retrain or how I coach people? You know, that's new and unique. In uh, cues like compliance, NLP and NLU, I think, is, is helping organizations move from manual sampling, which is literally somebody listening in randomly. You hear that all the time. You know, this call might be recorded for quality assurance. That random sampling moving into you know, AI or, or, or machine learning actually listening to every interaction. And so in regulated industries like med tech or sales environment and financial services, it's also pro- providing more assurance that we're doing right by the customer. And then I would be remiss if I, if I said that, you know, we're not looking at the employees themselves. I mean, a big challenge right now is just supporting the employees in an organization better as well. And sometimes we don't know, are, are people happy or not happy? Are they having a good day or a bad day? Are there ways that I can create a better experience for them? And sometimes NLP and NLU also give insight into the, the mindset of the employee and, and help the organization or help their, their direct supervisor or managers create better interactions uh, and, and hopefully a better experience for everybody. Got it. That's really clear and so exciting in terms of the opportunities. It seems like we've only just started to touch on where this can take us. Now that we've explored the technology and the insights it can give us, I'd like to wrap things up for this episode. I invite you all to join us for the second episode where we'll take some time to understand the implementation of these tools and how to capture the value. 
You've been listening to McKinsey Talks Operations with me, Daphne Luchtenberg. If you like what you've heard, subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. 